Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree. Today we are diving into my favorite topic of discussion. You guessed it, sex. And I'm so pleased to invite this guest joining me because she's not only a woman so passionate on the topic, she's an educator and someone who makes a living fostering conversations on sex today. So get ready to learn a little and fall deeply in love with the fabulous Dr. Jana. Welcome to Licked and Loaded. Joining me is the incredible Dr. Jana. Hello. Hi. Hi, Laura. So good to see you, even virtually. I know. It's so good to be chatting with you. I have great conversations with you every time we talk. So. I know. And, and like I said, even though it's virtual, you're the master of Zoom. You're doing so much on Zoom these days that I feel comfortable when you're here. Like <laughs> You can solve my tech problems, too. Um, but your, your life and career is so fascinating. I'm in awe of how you've dedicated your life's work to exploring sexuality and, and investigating sexuality. So for all of my viewers who are meeting you for the very first time, can you give us those credentials? <laughs> sure. I'm a professor of human sexuality at New York University. I have a PhD in developmental psychology from Cornell, where I studied how casual sex and other forms of sort of non-traditional relationship types and expressions, how they're related to mental health and well-being. In other words, how do we figure out a life that's kind of slutty and promiscuous and non-monogamous and adventurous and do it in a way that's safe, pleasurable, and healthy mm. and ethical for everyone involved? Yes. And, and why? Kind of what I've been focused on most of my life in my academic career, and then after, uh, after my academic career, as I've been kind of doing all these things like teaching and coaching and speaking and writing and do, doing various types of events out there with the public. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect uh, focus point when it comes to sexuality, because a lot of us who do lead that more promiscuous life, we're oftentimes wondering, am I sane? Is this okay? Am I being dangerous with my decisions? So why was this your focus or your area of utmost curiosity? Yeah, that's so true. We so often are made to feel like there is something wrong with us. We should not be living life like this. And I mean, why my interest in it? Kind of obvious reasons. I'm one of those people <laughs> who always, always, ever since I was young, and I started young, I mean, part of the whole sexually adventurous lifestyle is a personality that cuts through your entire life. It's not just like a random thing, right? So we often tend to be highly sexual even when we were younger and start having sex younger. And so I was one of those people and I was always on that high end. I wanted casual sex. I wanted non-monogamy. I wanted kinky things. I wanted to play around. I, I don't know, wanted to date older people. And I, all these things that I wasn't supposed to do. And the entire time that I was growing up where I was growing up in Macedonia, small Southeastern uh, country in, uh, that used to be part of former Yugoslavia, there was no other option other than your standard, you know, cis hetero monogamy, long-term relationship, vanilla <laughs> sex. And that just didn't fit. Yeah. Didn't fit. That was not me. I felt like, 
yeah. suffocated in prison. Not in the good way. No, not in the good way. No, <laughs> good point. Yeah, <laughs> not in the good way. So it, it's like it, the non-consensual choking. The non-consensual choking <laughs> is the one that is the worst. So people get that straight if you're going to learn anything here today. Yeah, um, it's 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 a fascinating, very applicable focus for people. And I I don't really I haven't heard of anyone in the sex education field making that their specific focal point. Have you learned anything in your studies and in your mm. research that points to this being perhaps just a type of sexuality out there, like an orientation that says, hey, I like a lot of it and all kinds of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right that a lot of sex education doesn't really focus on this end of the spectrum. It's always, here are the messages that work for everybody, right? You, you know, safe sex and consent like this and this, like there are always these rules of how we should all be sexual. And a lot of us on the high end of the spectrum are like, um, that's not quite working out for us. Like yeah. those rules are not really a good fit for us. And uh, I, that's why I really want to provide services to those people <laughs> and be able to speak to them and tell them, no, you are normal. You are on the high end of a set of personality traits, really, because we, we do have kind of this like essence, if you will, a personality that makes us who we are and that has genetic uh, you know factors that influence it of course it has experiential and environmental factors of all kinds that make us who we are but we are who we are just like some of us are very extroverted right some of us are very introverted mm. some of us are highly sexual and some of us are much less sexual and within that highly sexual, you have actually several different continua, if, if you will, several different personality traits or spectra that we can kind of look at. One of the most basic is sex drive. How much sex do you want? Like that's kind of the, you know, one of the basic ones. How much casual sex do you want? Or how comfortable are you with casual sex, right? Some people want a lot of sex, but they want it with their long-term one romantic partner. Other people want a lot of sex, but they also want to have it with lots of different uh, kinds of people. So we want more novelty. So that's another kind of sub element of that high sexuality. You can look at it in terms of kinks and the different varieties of sexual activities that people might be into. So, right, some are much more exploratory in that regard and are interested in every possible kink in the world. And mm. some are you know, the good old vanilla, you know, give me missionary and some making out and I'm perfectly happy, right? And so that's another spectrum. And, and there are more, you know, we can, we can delve into them even more, but the basic premise of this is we differ on the kinds of sexual needs and desires that we have. And there is no one size fits all. And I think that's what society tries to do is to fit one size fit all. And often that one size that we're all supposed to fit into are the more, the, the people who need more structure, more rules, less risk taking, you know, who don't have the high sexual needs that we have that do require higher risk. Yeah. And so instead of teaching us how to mitigate those higher risks that we are willingly putting ourselves to, they just tell us, you know, you can't take those risks. Those risks are bad. Yeah, they're bad. That's, that's the one thing that we hear is that that's why we apply mental illness to some people that have this hyper 
sex drive, this sex drive that takes them to what doctors would call dangerous impulses. You know, it's, it's a huge system that we need to try and rethink. And we will get to your uncensored series, I promise. But uh, I, I just do, I do want to mention uh, the recent uncensored series that you hosted was about sex drive. And one of the things that blew my mind was that there is a difference between the sex drive that you can gauge based on the sex you want to have with another person and the sex drive based on the sex and the like the masturbation you want to do with yourself mm -hmm. those are two totally different things and sometimes they don't match like right now in quarantine obviously my masturbation demands the sex drive is through the roof mm. i can't stop my vibrators working overtime <laughs> yeah. and your partner's sex desire uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is right now. And so, and that's, you know, you can't have been similarly through the roof. No, not as similar, not at all. No, no, no. It's has, been it, stayed like this, has it stayed the same? Has it decreased? What would you say from pre COVID? I would say there's been a bit of a decrease and that's, mm -hmm. and, but it's, I'm filling the void with the masturbation. Mm. Like mm -hmm. the masturbation has been nonstop. Like I did it three times before even jumping on this call with you today. Like <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, we've all been very different how it's affected us. And those are two different dimensions, two different criteria for sure yeah. that make up our sexuality that we should take into consideration and people don't. That's why I wanted to create that space to have some of these conversations about all these things that we don't really ever get to talk about. Yeah. And that is the uncensored series that you mentioned and sex drive that we talked about last time was is so important. It's so, so important. When you think about your sex and relationship life, sort of the overall set of experiences that you are going to have in life in the sex and relationships realm, mm. your level of sex drive is going to determine greatly so many of them. Like it's, it's permeating every single aspect of that sex and relationship life that you're going to have. And yet no one really ever tells us, okay, let's think about this. Where is your sex drive? Like, where's the baseline that you're operating with? Why are you happy with it? Is that a good place? Okay. Now what kind of partner would you like to match that sex drive yeah. of yours? Are you, are you, what if your partner is much higher than you or much lower than you? How would you deal with that, right? Is that a deal breaker? For some people, it is a deal breaker, as we heard, right, in that talk. Some people are like, no, I'm really high. If you're really low, we're not going to make it work. Yeah. Other people are like, no, we can make it work or for the right person, you know, I'll sacrifice or whatever. And so those kinds of things, I think people need to ask themselves. They need to talk about it. They need to think about yeah. how they're going to navigate this reality of you having the sexual inner nature that you do. And we all have it. Yeah. And that's it's different. It. Mine that's is different from it. yours. Yeah. We all have it. And I think there's a, a large population of people on this earth right now that don't want to investigate or understand their sexuality and not realize how tied it is to their happiness and their decision making. I mean, it might be a decision that has nothing to do with sex, but your mental headspace, your overall mm -hmm. self-image, your relationship with yourself is greatly influenced by your sexuality. Yeah, there are, you're, you're right, there's so many people out there who 
do not know their inner nature, sexually speaking, mm. and don't have honestly the opportunity to explore it. I don't know how many of them don't want to, like if they were given the opportunity and the encouragement to do it, I wonder how many more will or yeah. would, right? But we make it very difficult for people in this world to do that because we give them such narrow restrictions around what is acceptable and try to fit everyone into it that everyone else who doesn't feel like that's good for them like that's a good fit is like i guess there's something wrong with me let's go uh, see a therapist you know <laughs> if i can't let's keep trying to cram myself into this tiny little box this yeah. square peg into a round hole over and over and over again because that square peg has never been given a square hole cue the negative self-talk you know what i mean like that's that's where it chimes in that's yeah. exactly the moment. Uh, so other than COVID, other than this pandemic, what would you say is the biggest inhibitor to people exploring themselves more sexually in today's day and age? Honestly, I don't even think the pandemic is the greatest one because for a lot of people, the pandemic has had positive sexual effects and relational. They, they, I've been talking a lot to people through my Instagram, through my uncensored conversations. And it sounds like for some of them, they've actually taken some time to think and reflect. Maybe they found more time at home to explore their sexuality. Maybe they were thrust in a sort of unexpected sexual or relationship situation, and they kind of had to make changes to adapt to it. So I think for some people, this has been an opportunity. And for some people, it really has affected them negatively. Generally, what people when they're stressed in general, they're not going to be focused so much on exploring their sexuality. So anything that really increases someone's stress level is going to depress their ability to, th that luxury really to look into yourself as a sexual being. But I would say the greatest obstacle to doing that is stigma yeah. and lack of information. Well, yeah, those two, stigma and lack of information. I was going to say lack of community, but that's related to the stigma, the fact yeah. that, you, that you don't have community. Would shame uh, fit in there? Absolutely. Stigma, absolutely. shame, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the stigma is what creates the shame. If there was no stigma, there would be no shame, but absolutely the shame. The shame, oh my it's God. It's 2021, it's 2021. <laughs> How much shame have you felt in your life, Laura? So much, so much being in Tell me about person. it a bit. Being a naked person online, um, having been a very promiscuous and proud to be woman for years and years and years, uh, for even exploring my sexuality in a performance element, you know, being on mm. stage and bringing that into performances, whether it's burlesque or performance art, you get a lot of people that they want to be around, but not too close, almost as if you emit this you emit something that's going to stain them permanently. Mm. And that's- Are you talking about friends or partners? Or friends both? and partners. Friends yeah. and partners. You hear or you feel this uh, hesitation uh, from them mm -hmm. to want to be closer to you and be a part of your life and, and you know, explore that vulnerable side of both of you because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a scary thing when you meet someone yeah. who's, you know, out there with their sexuality. Yeah. And so many, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it too. What I've experienced is so many men who just want to fuck you, yeah. they would never date you. Right. Which kind of yeah. creates a whole other 
thing like yeah okay i'm down to fuck and so great but seeing that that they would never date you because you're down to fuck that's like, just it you know it grates on you slowly yeah, over time again and again and again and you're like come on that's it's if anything i'm like wasn't that the best sex you've ever had we've right. been having that on the regular right like why wouldn't you want that but sometimes they friend it's so hypocritical you. it's so in their own minds right like you go to this because you want it at the same time because that same person wanted what you wanted now you don't want them you don't want more of them yeah, you know, because they're just like you and in a way it's almost in, in some kind of weird way it's your own rejection of yourself yeah. through this but not to get too psychoanalytical no no but I've, but, I've had a lot of that in my life with people that you know there was a great chemistry there there was something really exciting and now I didn't necessarily want or had hopes and dreams of pursuing a long-term affair, but it's just, it's, it's a weird feeling when it's that disposable to them, yeah. you know, or I'm that disposable and you start, you know, that's where all that comes into your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It fucks with you for sure. It really, yeah. really does. So much stigma and it's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's so unnecessary. It, we can com totally, completely live healthy ethical pleasurable safe for our standards you know our standards of safety are a little different than other people's standards of safety yeah. but as long as we're all on board you know about how we want to do that and we agree on on what standards of safety we're going to use for ourselves then yeah we can totally have safe and pleasurable and ethical kinds of lives and I am just really passionate about creating more of that in the world for more people because I've had it. I've, I've been so lucky, you know, after living in this pretty traditional conservative culture, Eastern European culture, when I moved to New York, especially after graduating from Cornell and coming to live in New York City full time, finding that sex positive community that was everything to me. I was like, oh, I found home, you know, I can be who I am without being judged, without being shamed, without being looked like I'm crazy. And there's nothing like it. There really is nothing like it. And so I really want to create more of that for other people, both in terms of the information that they need to have in order to figure out who they are and how they want to live their lives. Mm. And then once they figure out how they want to live their lives, give them all the tools that they need in order to do it in a way that's safe, pleasurable, ethical, and, and so on. And then give them or help them create a community around themselves, even if it's around means all over the world, you know, now we can connect in these virtual that's ways. Right. We can literally connect the entire world. And so why not connect and feel like you're not alone, feel like, there are other people out there in the world who feel the same way you do, who struggle with the same things that you do and help each other out, overcome some of those challenges, brainstorm, Skillshare. Yeah. Life can get better, right? When you think, you know, that's it for you. It does get better. And community is one of the best ways of doing that. Talking about the obvious shame and stigma being the big stamp uh, keeping us from, from moving forward into sexual exploration. What comes to mind for me is the recent news story. Did you see this about Army Hammer? He is no. a Hollywood I've, actor. I've been a little sort of in my own 
doing my own whole <laughs> building a business. Supposedly okay. sent some text messages to some women or maybe one woman that he was seeing with some pretty graphic, explicit messages about, okay. I want to eat you, like potential, even like toying with cannibalism through text and speaking Ooh. very uh, graphically about uh, rough sex and, uh, you know, violent sex. Uh, well, the thing is, we don't know if it was consensual or not. We don't know what the details know. of their relationship were. Don't have any context for... No, okay. no. And the media coverage I saw on ABC was so shocking. They were, they were, it looked like it was immediately, let's cancel this guy. Let's cancel really? this guy because his sex and the kind of shit he's into is, is unacceptable. It's not what we do. Just, just because of the kind of the kinky nature of the text that's right has this woman complained that he was non-consensual it, it has not it has not developed any further from the last like headline i saw of it but it was you know the public in outrage based mm -hmm. on the details of army hammer's sex life and it's like that's that's part of this issue here is you know immediately mm -hmm. we're trying to get everyone on board to cancel somebody because we maybe figured out something about their sex life that's a little different uh, oh that's so infuriating and yeah. so not surprising we've been doing yeah. that for so long and we're gonna pr probably continue to do that the things that we cancel people for are going to slightly change over time as the understandings of what's acceptable, what's not acceptable change. But honestly, the whole cancel culture is something that I don't agree with and don't think is the right way to go about things, especially, especially when we don't have a lot of information, when we only have one side of the story, when, you know, things are often taken out of context. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, one of the things that I'm trying to create with these uncensored conversations that you fall, seems to have fallen in love with. I love yes. that you keep coming back. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, one of the points of it is to create a space where we don't have to cancel each other. When as things happen and we have disagreements, we can talk about those, mm -hmm. those disagreements we can give people an opportunity to explain themselves yeah. or an opportunity to change their behavior. And we're not going to let things get to the point where, you know, where a cancel, uh, an automatic cancel right. response would be appropriate. Like excluding someone from life should have a pretty high bar, I think. And there should be some work done in between. And I want to create a space where that's possible. Right. I mean, we've, it, we've fallen in love with that cancel button as a culture. We've just, we've really fallen in love with it. So let's get into uncensored. Uh, you're absolutely right. I've fallen in love with it. It's my new favorite clubhouse. It happens online. It's a series you launched. Uh, let the people know what this is all about. I love it. Your new favorite clubhouse. It is. It is kind of like a video version of clubhouse that yeah. I moderate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love how you also called it a two, no, what was it? A week-long retreat yeah. in two hours. In two hours. In two hour time, yeah. It's a very interesting and unique, I think, form of 
anything of event, conversation, whatever you want to call it. It's a two hour conversation between me and whoever comes into the room, into the Zoom room, it's an online event. And we talk about a particular topic about sexuality and relationships. As we mentioned, the last one was sex drive. The one before that was threesomes. The one before that, we talked about the gray area of consent. We talked about sex work prior to that, open relationship, disclosure, casual sex, and we're gonna talk about so many more things. I want no topic to be off the table. I wanna cover every single topic on the planet that has to do with sex and relationships over the many years that I think this is gonna go on because from the day I started it, you know, 100 people bought tickets for the first event. And I was like, whoa, interesting, okay. And then when people kept coming back over and over and over again every week, and now every 10 days, we do them every 10 days, so three a month, I realized this is something that we need so desperately. So many of us need that kind of space that we're just gonna keep going. And so we're growing it, we just created a membership, model so that you know people can kind of more easily have access to the events and the recordings afterwards and to other perks we're creating a social network and a forum where people can be part of a community on a more ongoing basis not just every 10 days and yeah i'm really excited about them how is it for you tell tell your audience of that it has been such an incredible experience because uh it's funny you're online you're in a zoom room as you said and there is that little flutter of oh i'm i'm meeting a new group of people i'm a little shy i'm a little nervous but it just it's eliminated so instantly as the conversation starts because in the threesomes conversation i mean you started by listing statistics and giving us information you had collected on Instagram, but then we got into a conversation. And the amount of speakers, these, these people that just volunteered to share their stories immediately makes the room feel like, okay, everyone here is, is here in support and here to accept and is curious. We're all so curious and we're there with the same, uh, I guess, knowledge drive. We all want that knowledge. And I loved in especially the threesomes one where we broke off into smaller groups. Um, I joined, there was three conversations. There was conversation one, which was about um, before, finding. Before. Yeah, like before threesomes. So finding, negotiating, kind of the, starting the conversation to right. make it happen. That's right. There was room two that I was in, which was during the threesome. Unbelievable. We covered almost everything. And then, of course, the aftercare room, which was room number three. I mean, do you see this being a physical event you would host in the future? Oh, my God. I've thought about it. And mm-hmm. I really hope so. I really think we can and should do that once we can start to travel. Yeah. Yeah don't know exactly how if you have any ideas you know we can talk afterwards about what that would look like but yeah i think this format is really good come and let's have a let's have a respectful but open conversation yeah what what has uh about about uncensored and i can sir i can can certainly see things like you know retreats the 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 week-long experience that you mentioned i think we can totally do a week-long experience. I mean, it was like so therapeutic. And this is what I mean when people don't realize how important their, their sexual knowledge and their own sexual self-understanding is to their life. 
I go to one two hour Zoom seminar and I leave feeling like I know myself so much better and I, mm. I'm not alone in this. Oh, I love it. That's a great feeling to have. That's how I, I mean, and even I, you know, I've been lucky for the last however many years of my life to live kind of supported in my sexual weirdness because I have had this sex positive community and everything. But especially now with COVID, that's died off and I don't really have that. And, but uh, so I know it really feels good for me. I end up walking away with insights. I end up walking away with feeling like, Oh my God, there's so many others like me. Yeah. And I can imagine what it must feel like to the people who don't have, who are not in Brooklyn in like the, the exactly. center, the world center of, of exactly. open relationships and kinkiness. You know? Yeah, there's that's what blew my mind was that there's people tuning in from around the world having this conversation. Like in the Zoom room, we had people on the other side of the globe. Like yeah, we had people from Iran, from like Malaysia and Bulgaria and uh, yeah, what Ecuador. What's in this experience with Uncensored, what has blown your mind? Oh my God, so many things have blown my mind. I don't even know where to start. I've been blown away this entire time. You know, how much interest there was, how people came together how many different stories there are that we don't really hear about. You know, people have been coming, like there are these guys who've been coming who are neurodivergent. They're neuroatypical, right? On the autism spectrum. And, and you never hear their stories unless you're in that particular, you know, community, you never get to hear their stories. And even in that community, you don't often hear about what is, what sex and, relationships are like for these people because of all the taboos that exist and and yeah so all these different kinds of people who are coming in and oh i love it and also i love how people there's a lot of i think fear for some that they would feel pressured to speak uh during the event or that it would be completely unruly and i'm really surprised that like how much people actually follow the rules and are respectful towards one another and how much there is what you said, like being able to support each other and sharing their life experiences. Cause all life experiences are valid. Those are our lived realities and you can't argue with that. And, and knowing someone's lived reality tells you explains like so much about them right explains why they think the way they think why they do the things they do why they've done the things they've done in the past it enables you to broaden your horizons and perspectives about the whole world of sexuality well i mean maybe i'm going out on a limb here trying to match your your scholarly ways but i feel like that's something that's like a a john locke tabula rasa theory that we're a blank slate and our experiences in life are what carve us to be our utmost truest form so i i like where you're going that's probably a quote that i've used in like seven or eight episodes trying to sound like a brainiac (laughs) (laughs) well no, I, 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 yes, and it's not, it was, our experiences absolutely carve us, but we are not an amorphous blob when experiences start to carve us. We have a shape already. That's the genetic shape that we get at birth. And then our experiences start to slice into it and carve things out. And depending on our shape, 
you might be limited in terms of what experience might be able to shape out of that particular type of blob. So I think it's always very important to keep in mind some of these things are absolutely biological or partially these things of all of us are biological, right? The reasons you and I want, have wanted and want as much sex or novelty as we do is partially due to our genes, not all of it. So about 50%, generally speaking, about 50% of all of our personality, the way we are, is due to genetics and the other 50% is due to environmental factors. That's kind of what all the science is showing, maybe 40, 60, or 60, 40, yeah. depending on the study, but so around 50, 50, or 40, 60 is, is where we stand. And that initial genetic material you know, can limit the options afterwards or can kind of put the, our development into yeah. the environmental world on these different tracks. So is there, have there been studies on the genetic sexual, our genetic sexual identity? I mean, like, have we, I know that my grandmother would always say to me, she could tell if you weren't having enough sex, she would be like, when was the last time? And she would know everything about, um, uh, you know, having wild one night stands. She could tell you a million stories. So oh I, know, I know where that little hussy comes from in me, but like, is there a, a study out there where people have tracked their sexual preferences or their sexuality in general through their genetics? <laughs> That's so interesting. I wonder if we could look at some of those lineages. I don't think that kind of study has been conducted, but what we do have <clears throat> are studies that look into particular genes or gene variants that we know are correlated with, say, higher sexual sensation seeking or sexual novelty seeking. Wow. So people who have, for example, this one version of a dopamine gene, they are much more likely to have had one night stands, to have done kinky things or to be interested in kinky things or threesomes or group sex or to have cheated on a partner. So it looks like it's the more kind of non-monogamous and more sexually adventurous side of the spectrum is much more likely if you have this one version of this gene, this dopamine yeah. gene, and if you have the other version of that same gene, because genes in our bodies, in, in humans, comes in different forms, right? So you might have like the low novelty seeking form, I might have the high, sounds like we both have the high novelty yeah. seeking yeah. variant in this case, but yeah, some people who have like this one version of the gene, their rates of all of these behaviors is like twice or three times what the rates of those behaviors would be in the right. people with this other version of that exact same gene. Right. And that's just one gene. And we know from research that single genes only contribute a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit to what makes our whole genetic kind of picture. There are thousands, hundreds and thousands of genes that all contribute to this. And if we can find such differences for one gene, you know, you compile a lot of other right. genes as well. And yeah, so, yep. So, so probably your grandma and my grandma, you know, yeah. I have some I have some stories on on my paternal side actually the those My paternal women. side too. Oh, interesting. We should totally do a study on this. I wonder if there's something about the women, the daughters of along the paternal side. Yeah. But the biggest relief in everything you just said was that some of us truly are born this way because a lot of society wants to say, well, what happened? There must be something that mm -hmm. happened to you that made you this 
sexual deviant mm. but the reality is is some of us are just kind of predisposed to it through genetics yeah and <laughs> and, and here's here's the interesting thing how society and genetics actually really come together and interact so it's not either or it's really is both together let's say that we were born this way right with the high novel high sex drive high novelty seeking genes you know what those genes probably made something sexual happen for you and i earlier than it did for other people because we had those genes so we were more sexual earlier. We probably started masturbating younger. We started flirting in our you know, childish teen, yeah. teenage type ways, but we were being acting out sexually and something sexual most likely did happen yeah. to us. And that might've been bad, might've been good, might've been you know, all sorts of things. The direction in which that experience is gonna go, you know, it depends on lots of different factors. But so yes, of course, then that experience, that first one shaped our next one and then that next one shaped the third experience and so on and so on but that's not completely independent of our genes the genes are partially the reason we were in that situation to begin with right so it's both it's really both <laughs> i like don't even want to interact with the outside world anymore i just want to like go and try all of the un untraveled roads of my mind and my inner psyche right now because you get me so hyped and hot about it i love it every single time so obviously you and i could be doing this for three hours straight i absolutely yeah. love talking to you so uh for people that are curious to join the next uncensored that want to speak with you directly that want the updates where can they get in touch with you yes they should all come to drjana.com slash uncensored and get all the information there you can either buy tickets there are tickets through eventbrite for individual events or you can become a member of the community and get access to all of the events yeah. but come to the next one the next yeah. one is on the 17th it's a wednesday at 7 p.m eastern and the topic is jealousy guilty been there <laughs> been there been there but also i have gone digging for the other person to be jealous i have set up traps to make the other person jealous so really oh i'll be there i'll be there and i will definitely tell the tales because there's a lot of them dr jana you are oh, yes. amazing thank, thank you, you so Laura. much for you making time all right well i'll let you know uh when to expect to see this and all that jazz but thank you for making time today of course anytime for you wishing you a wonderful day okay baby We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.